0: Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, the Executive Director of the Compassionate Friends.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Alan Peterson, and uh, it is my honor and privilege to be uh, on the show with Gloria today.
0: It's great. Heidi's not in town right now. She's taking her son around to colleges. So Alan and I are looking forward to hosting this show. We've done other things together, and we are in partnership, the Open to Hope Foundation, with the Compassionate Friends, as well as the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. So, we're happy to bring you hope and healing today. And we have a very special person on today. And we're going to be talking about a double loss because this person's had a double loss loss of a child and the suicide of a stepson. So, Alan, do you want to introduce our good friend?
1: Yes, it's my honor. Uh, a dear friend of mine and colleague, Kathy C. Hutter, is um, well, she's a bereaved mom to her daughter, Nina, and to her stepson, Chris. Uh, Kathy's also a certified grief. Services provider, and she serves as the Minnesota regional coordinator for uh, the Compassionate Friends. She's a chapter leader in St. Paul, Minnesota. Presents lots of workshops at uh, TCF national conferences, has served on the board of directors of TCF. And I think more than anything, Kathy C. Hutter has tremendous experience working with grieving people and has a lot to offer. So, welcome,
2: Kathy. Thank you, Alan and Gloria. I'm really, really glad to be here with you, my friends.
0: Kathy, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, your daughter Nina was killed in an automobile accident. How many years ago? 20?
2: That will be 20 20 years on my birthday, May 11th.
0: By a drunk driver. And then recently, you have had the loss of your stepson to suicide. Is that correct?
2: That will be three years on June 2nd of this year that Christopher took his own life. Wow! So here we are.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, your daughter was 17. And how old was Christopher?
2: He was 39.
0: 39. Okay. So you had a 17-year-old and a 39-year-old, and you've had the 20-year gap in between. And, you know, Alan and I were saying before the show that we do have these losses throughout our lives that come on. Now, you've had some pretty tragic, two tragic losses. And I I wondered, uh, given that, what you have found in between, has have you done something that's helped you through these experiences?
2: I think about that a lot. And I think I'd have to say that probably the best thing I ever did for myself was become a part of Compassion Friends. Being a part of that group, I already knew that somehow or other I would want to be a part of giving back uh, for everything they've given me because I really think that helping is healing and um, that's played a big part. I'd have to say my other one would be writing and journaling. That has been extremely important to me in my grief work. There's something about pouring your heart out in writing your heartache on paper and being able to help you process your grief. It helps you to, you know, write about things that you maybe don't feel comfortable talking to somebody else about, maybe pour your anger on the page. I would say writing for me has been extremely important.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, Kathy, I want to ask you, and Alan, I'm wondering if you're thinking the same thing. I'm wondering how it is to go from being such professionals, Kathy is, and being a chapter leader and working with National, how do you go in with a new grief? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the one question, I, there's a couple of things I'd like you to touch on, Kathy. First of all, for those who might not know what the Compassionate Friends is, talk a little bit about when Nina first died. What specifically did you get at a Compassionate Friends meeting that, you know, that that was beneficial to you? And then second of all, along with what Gloria is saying, now that you've helped people all these years and you've been certified as a grief services provider, and now you have this knowledge of grief and this experience, and then this other new traumatic experience, how do you face that then? Could you touch on both of those things?
2: Well, Compassion Friends, as you well know, um, is a self-help organization for people who have had a child, grandchild, or sibling die, and they provide understanding and friendship and and hope. And I think probably those three things are so important. And the thing about walking in that meeting for the first time was so difficult. Um, You you just you walk through those doors and it's real. You know, it's reality. But right off the bat, someone came up to me that had a very similar experience. They lost their daughter to a automobile accident and she just kind of took me under her wing. And being able to share with others who have experienced the loss of a child. Even though our you know our circumstances are different, we lost somebody we love more than life itself. And when someone had said to me, like the day before I went, you know, oh, I know how you feel, Kathy. I lost my dog. I love dogs, too. I love pets, but you can't compare yeah. the loss of a dog to a child. And these people, they got it. I mean, these were the first people that when they said, I know how you're feeling, maybe it wasn't exactly the same, but they came the closest to anybody. So
0: Kathy, what happens second time around, though, when you go in? Now, I was a grief therapist when Scott was killed. I was a clinical nurse specialist. I worked with death and dying all the time. And it was hard because I knew a lot, but I still did all the same stuff. You know, the shallow breathing, the crying. I still did everything, even though I knew that that's what you do.
2: Well, that that's really true. And being it was suicide, um, you know, I say. When someone dies, that one isn't worse than the other; it's just different. But with suicide, there's a whole lot of other things to that go along with it. There's so much stigma still out there. The language of suicide needs being changed. When when I would go to the group and I'd say I, I just lost a stepson to suicide, you could hear audible gasp. And the thing too is the difference between when Nina died and then Chris dying from suicide. I have to say the support was much less. Wow. Um, it was a little surprising to me. It really was. And also a surprise is a lot of them were my compassionate friends for us. So wow. um, there is just a certain something about suicide that people are afraid of. They're standoffish. They still have the old archaic notion that, you know, they've committed a crime by taking their own life, there's so much education that needs to be done around why suicide. I mean that there's you know people are being selfish. They're not selfish. They actually truly believe that the world would be better off without them. You know, and their pain is so great.
1: I'm just interested, Kathy, because you said something interesting about the support. You know, for those who want to know, what are some things that people can do? What are the best ways that people can give you support, whether you're child hiding a auto accident or suicide what are some things people can do to help us when we're in grief
2: be present i mean you do, you don't have to say anything but to be present and and listen and you know hold a hand or pass a kleenex box but be there don't stay away you know make that phone call don't wait for us to call you because we're not going to don't make the comment that you know if you need anything give me a call because we won't just you know be there come there bring the meal you know take Take me grocery shopping or, you know, be present.
0: Yeah, but Kathy, talk a little bit about safe people. On oh, saying, what can people do? But a lot of times people won't do that. They don't do it. You know, do you think about finding safe people? Because we're talking to people here who have had a death, you know. Oh,
2: the ones that stay away.
0: Yeah, the, the friends you lose. Are
2: you? Yeah. yeah. Well, there are people out there, they, first of all, they think you're contagious, so they don't yeah. want to. They don't know how to deal, and they really don't want to. They don't want to deal. You know, it changes your. I think it changes your address book after you lose that. Uh, <laughs> I like
0: that. Changes your. Your address book becomes
2: address. an address
0: page. <laughs> well, I'm kind of wondering about suicide too. Did that change your address page a bit?
2: Absolutely. I mean, honestly. I... I compassionate friend that I've known for a really, really long time. I had mentioned something on Facebook. I was having a little rant session and I did say that I was so tired of hearing committed suicide that that's like fingernails down on chalkboard to me because it makes it sound like it is a crime. Committed sounds, gives the connotation of of a criminal act. And she actually faced, well, what he did is it was a crime. And it's should it be punishable? And I mean, I was just literally blown away because this is a person I've been talking with for years and years since Nina died, and came right out and said that you know it was a crime.
0: Oh my God! Well, that so, leads
2: that leads me into something that, that I want to make sure we
1: have time to touch on today because it's the mm-hmm. word forgiveness, and I think in both of your losses, because Nina was killed by a you know a driver, um, a drunk driver. And then, you know, in suicide, and I've heard people say, obviously, at some point you had to deal with an issue of forgiveness for this person who was driving the car drunk that killed Nina. I hear a lot of people talking in in suicide about the subject of forgiveness as well. Sometimes they do have anger at their loved one who died by suicide. Can you talk about forgiveness and how it kind of applied in both of, of your losses?
2: Well in my case for as far as Gina when she died um by a drug driver, um, the drug driver also died in that accident. And as well as with another person in a car behind us. So there were three people who died during Gina's accident. And wow. to be honest with you, um I did not really think about him very often. Once he died, yes, he paid for his life and at that one and one point in time early on, that really wasn't good enough and that probably sounds awful. But to me, it was, she was innocent, and he made a decision to drink and drive. And I didn't even feel forgiveness was something in my vocabulary on that time. Um, but I really didn't focus on him that much.
0: You know, Kathy, that's interesting because, you know, Scott's cousin was driving when he was killed. I never thought about it either. I mean, until his mother died, who was a close friend of mine, I wasn't really thinking about him, and now I think, you know, get a life. Why didn't you drive better? You know, you really took a toll. You know, now I'm thinking that, but I haven't. I wouldn't even have dared say it on the show when she was alive because I wouldn't have wanted to hurt her feelings. But now, you know, I'd like to kick his butt. So
2: kind of a waxing and waning kind of thing. Sometimes I do go through a point where I'm just having a really horrible moment, and I do think that, and I think. Wow. I won't even say it on radio here, but, you know, the profanities fly, and I am angry. I mean, I go through periods where I, you know, back and forth, back and forth with that... But I didn't really, for a long, long time, think about that. And then people said, well, at least he's dead. Well that, well, that didn't really make me feel better. I know it must be awful to be someone who lost a child like that. And they do have the driver walking around and having a life. So I can imagine that would be really horrible, too.
0: Well, Alan, I want to know something. Did you ever want to kick Ashley's butt for driving badly? Wasn't it a one-car accident or no?
2: Absolutely not wearing
1: a seatbelt. And, you know, it's something that I've talked a lot about over the years with people that, you know, I'm not one of those that says you have to forgive and forgive, you know, to to grieve, to go through your grief. But there came a point where I was angry with Ashley. I did have to forgive her for driving in a car with no sleep, with no seatbelt. And, you know, as I would dig through it, I began to realize maybe I was more angry than I thought. But Mm -hmm. at one point I did forgive her for that. And, uh and I'm just curious, and I, and I work with a lot of suicide families, too, who it's hard for them because they miss their loved ones so much, but they also struggle because they are mad. They're mad that they couldn't, you know, maybe they're mad at themselves that they feel like they should have gotten through and been able to talk or that they wish that their loved one uh, who died by suicide would have opened up to them. So I just was curious what forgiveness, what role it played in your grief journey.
2: Well, you know, anger, it's funny. I haven't had a tremendous amount of anger. I've had a lot of sadness. And I think what I find with dealing with other people who've lost their kids to suicide, I think guilt is one of the bigger ones because they just feel because they were their parents, they should have known. They should have seen something. And most of the time, I can tell you, they didn't. They did not see My husband talked to Chris on a nearly daily basis. But Christopher was a St. Paul police officer. He was an undercover cop. And if anybody knows anything about what it is like to be in law enforcement, they can't talk about those things. They can't talk about the atrocities they see every day. And so... That's a lot of PTSD you're dealing with on a daily basis. He had difficulties in his marriage we didn't know of. We thought that was a marriage made in heaven. And he was a very intense person. And things we've learned since that time makes us really say, wow, he kept a lot. And Mm -hmm. he hid behind a mask. And that's what so many of them do. They hide that sadness and that darkness, and you don't know.
0: And sometimes people even improve before they kill themselves because they feel like they have a plan and they even look better. But, you know, uh, that's a suicide Sure, for another show. But let me say this. There's so much to say about it. Kathy, in the end, with compassionate friends, what I see is it doesn't matter really on the long term how they died. We miss them. We love them. And we hold them in our heart, and hopefully we can learn to continue bonds with them in good and healthy ways through ritual and all that kind of thing. But it's a it's a long journey to get to that that place.
2: It most definitely is, Gloria, and I and I totally agree with you. they are just different ways to die, but the same thing. We have that same longing and loss, and what if you know what ifs, and you know wish we could have, and yes, and learn in healthy ways. That's that is the bottom line to me. Is that you know learn how to. Remember that grief and joy can coexist and that we can reinvest in life.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Kathy. It's been a delight to have you on, and thank you for all the work you do for The Brief. Oh,
2: thank you, Thank you, Kathy. With. We'll talk to you soon, and thanks
0: And Alan, a great show. Kathy's a fantastic person. Some of the things I take from this, she talks about giving back. Compassionate Friends is such a great opportunity for all of our listeners to get involved. Go on the website, thecompassionatefriends.org and you can be involved in the organization locally nationally come to the national conferences it's just a wealth of place where you can be with people who have had losses of a child a grandchild or a sibling and some of the things she said that I thought were interesting, giving back, as I said, and helping in healing, you know, helping in healing other people. And she liked journaling, which I think is, is a good thing. Right? Yeah. What did you, do uh, you have any thoughts on?
1: I, I just think she's just living proof of, of somebody who has taken great tragedy and just kept putting one foot in front of the other, made a conscious decision to give back and help others, and has just kept on doing it. And, you know, she's kind of an icon in our world of the compassionate friends, but there's thousands of people like her who who credit their survival to continuing to breathe, to remembering that their children live and that, that, that the love that is still alive. So yeah, great show.
0: Well, thanks for listening to our show today. And Alan and I and Heidi want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own and God bless